I totally didn't feel connected to my little one when I had her for about the first year of her life. I had a pretty traumatic birth and breastfeeding felt like it was just another thing she put me through. It was a lot more about me and how I was struggling. Welcome back to Start Here to Connect, the podcast for you to learn what it takes to build a strong connection in your parenting journey, even before conception. I'm Ines Natalia, your host and a sister in your growth journey. We're going to start our adventure here with debunking one of the biggest myths in the parenting world. One myth that I know has been the roots of suffering for a lot of parents. To discuss this topic, I'm very, very thrilled to have a fellow coach, a dear, dear friend with me today. Brittany Castillo is a mom of a two-year-old, a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, and a military spouse living in Okinawa, Japan. Inspired by her own awakening through motherhood, she became a certified consciousness coach and created a business called Third Eye Coaching to help other women and mothers on their journeys to their own awakening. Hi, Brittany. How are you doing? Hi! I'm so excited. This is so exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here to share your very personal story. Um, just to share a little bit before we start. So the main idea behind today's episode really comes from uh, one of my coaching sessions the other day. So the story was my client was pregnant and she told me how worried she was because she told me that she actually doesn't like children. Mm. But yeah, but her friends always tell her, oh, don't worry with your kid, you, with your own kid, it will be different. You will feel connected to them naturally. So I think, well, now, while this might seem like a very innocent statement, I just, right. to know, right? And I just happen to know a lot of parents who don't really have that kind of connection with their babies from the first day. And yes, yeah, and they feel so ashamed for feeling that way almost and guilty exactly oh my gosh yes yeah and almost depressed like how could you not right when people from left and right bombarded mm. you with a false fantasy and it's right just, it's just not really your present reality yeah so, so i think i i really think that is very per- important to address this to really debunk this myth once and for all and to understand what connection truly is yeah that's why Brittany super happy to have you here I know that you have a very personal story around this topic that you generously really want to share with others who need support in this right so how did it all start for you well um unlike your client I had two younger brothers who I was just like a a mom figure to Um, my mother was married to my father, divorced when I was young and remarried my stepfather when I was young. Um, and then that marriage ended up, um, coming to an end and it devastated my mother, like just 
absolutely devastated her. And I kind of became the mother to her and my two younger brothers. So I always had it in my mind, like I am cut out to be a mom. Like, yeah, you know, I could take care of my brothers. And it was like this, I can't wait to be a mom. I can't wait to be a mom. And then when I met my partner, you know, he was kind of on the same page where he wanted to get married. And like, I was definitely on that cultural track to like, you know, I was in a relationship, then I got married and now it's time to have a baby. Like, can't wait to be pregnant. I couldn't oh control God. things more. Like, yeah. like the steps, I mean, right? you know, yeah, I was like, <laughs> check, 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 check. Okay. So now it's time for us to have a baby. Like, let's do this. I can plan everything down, you know, like when I'm ovulating, when we should have sex so that we could get pregnant. Like the, I, and my control issues are a totally other thing, but I had it planned down to the second. So had a hard time or wasn't even a hard time, but I was trying to control nature. Didn't get pregnant right away. Finally got pregnant. And then of course the universe came in and was like, you don't know how to control me. I'm going to deploy your husband. So oh, wow. for my entire pregnancy, my husband was gone. I was by myself, you know, doing this by myself. I should rubbing my belly, you know, like you're going to make everything better. You know, when you come out, everything's going to be fine since I was lonely by myself and I didn't know how to be alone. And we're opposite time zones of the United States. So I couldn't talk to my mom or any of my friends back in America. So I was very isolated. And that's when I kind of began to realize I didn't like myself much when I was alone. Like I needed other people to tell me how beautiful I was when I was pregnant. And then this baby was going to make it all better. Oh, wow. Um, what an expectation for a born oh, baby. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And it was going to be so beautiful. And she was going to make me feel whole again and just I had all these expectations of how beautiful it was going to be because that's what the movies tell you and that's yeah. what culture tells you like you just wait it'll all be worth it you know because yeah. I had morning sickness in the morning and at night and it was just a very uncomfortable pregnancy um I would get acne like crazy I just it was not comfortable it wasn't beautiful for me I couldn't even wait for her to come out it, she was past her due date, so I was doing everything I could to try to get her out. Come to find out later, she was pushing on a nerve in my hip, which was why it was so painful. Um, she was like sideways in my belly. Um, so I was trying to do everything I could to get her out of my body because I was suffering with her in my body. So I was like, you know, when she comes out, it'll be amazing. I just need her to come out. Like, I'm going to be a great mom. Five days, they finally admit me to the hospital. I am in there for two days um, at a six and you're supposed to dilate to a 10 before the baby starts to come out. So I pushed for five and a half hours trying to get this baby out and I had an epidural. So um, I couldn't feel, you know, like below my waist. So uh, five and a half hours of pushing her out, I finally got her out and they put her on me and it's like that beautiful moment where you're like, yeah, like I got my prize finally, like nine months of having this baby inside of me. I finally have you know, my prize and she poops all over me. <gasps> oh my God. And you know, I was crying, like exhausted, holding this baby. She poops all over me. So they start, you know, like cleaning me up and she, 
she's still on me and it's like in my armpit. So there's, you know, the nurses are trying to clean me up. Nobody asked me how I was doing. And I remember holding her like, this doesn't feel like everybody said it would. Um, she's like crying all the time. I'm so tired. And I just remember looking at her like, you're really pretty, like very cute baby, but what am I supposed to do now? Like, I don't know what, what I'm doing now. And it just felt like somebody brought a baggage of like responsibility and just like added it to the pile. As I remember it just, I was by myself. My husband went to the bathroom, no nurses were in the room and it was dark and I'm holding her and I'm like, holy crap. Like I'm responsible for this other life now. Like this is all too real. And then when I would wake up, we had to try to breastfeed and it just, it hurt really bad. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to hold her right. And she was so tiny. I'd never done it before. I felt very out of control. Like I was thrown in the woods naked and then like, figure it out, Brittany. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds very, very challenging. In retrospect, though, what do you think was causing the strong feeling of out of control within you? Yes. Now I can see that I was mourning the loss of my freedom at that time. And then all of the things leading to the traumatic birth and, and then the breastfeeding, I definitely disassociated from my baby for sure. Even in the hospital, it didn't feel like real. And then they discharged us after two days and we came home and I just did not know what to do. I remember thinking like, this isn't beautiful. I just have an extra thing to take care of. Yeah. Like when she would start to cry, I would be, I would dread it. And I would feel like the flush of anxiety, like fill my body. And then that became like the next year of our life of me just like, like dreading having to hold her all the time and not having any space for myself. I felt like I was doomed as a parent. Like, how could I have been so good with my younger brothers and yet so inept and like incapable to take care of this tiny human? I had to do so many things and this baby was holding me back and I was angry all the time. Interestingly, you mentioned that there's this one thought came to your head. You say that she was holding you back and yes. then you were mourning because you're, you feel like you're losing your freedom. Explain more. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So with the crying infant, I felt, you know, all the physiological changes, like when you hear a baby cry, it's happened so viscerally, like something visceral comes over your body where you can't handle them crying. And that's just a primordial or survival action that happens in your body for a mom to protect baby. It happens for a reason. However, comma, <laughs> when you have to go pee, your husband, you know, leaves, you're holed up on the couch with this baby who doesn't want to be put down and you have to go to the bathroom. You have never held a baby while going to the bathroom before and they're so fragile. I was like, you know, I have to put her down. This is the safest way for her to get down. But as soon as she felt our bodies uh, separate, she would scream like bloody murder scream where it would put me into like an anxious panic state 
but I had to use the bathroom, but the bathroom was far away from where I was in the living room. And there's so many things that are happening to my body in itself that going to the restroom was like, like I had to ask the warden, you know, like it just felt like I couldn't just get up and go to the bathroom. Like I, it, there were so many things that had to happen before I could go to the bathroom and she didn't like being held in a baby carrier. Um, so I had to just like figure it out and I didn't want to. And I felt like my freedoms were being like, I was being chained to this thing mm. and it all felt so like heavy like my freedom was gone because now I have this thing that needs me and will never not need me. My life will no longer be the same. It's like an epiphany that you have when you realize that you've made a decision that you now have to partake in. Like there's no out. I can't just leave this baby, you know? And I did, and I didn't get to a point where I wanted to leave, like pack up and leave her, but I was mourning. I can see now what was happening, that I was mourning my old self and I was shedding that, but I was holding on so tightly that I was like causing more suffering for myself because I didn't want to lose my freedom. Like I want to go to the bathroom by myself. Yeah. But it was so heavy to think that this baby can't be alone. Like what if she chokes? What if she rolls? There's just so much fear in culture around women and babies particularly because women tend to be the primary caregivers that like you might do something to cause harm to your baby if you don't follow all the rules and I've always been a rule follower yeah I hear you there are indeed so many notions out there around the rules to be parent it's just really too much yes as if there's one singular way to be the perfect parent and we need to somehow conjure ourselves to be this another creature called the perfect parent. And I just happen to know parents who feel almost like imprisoned by this pressure and feeling like losing themselves. So in your case, how do you think this feeling of losing freedom leads to your disconnection to your baby? Um, giving up freedoms like that is like just adding shackles between her and I, and then, you know, naturally causing distance and resentment, um, you know, as our relationship began, began to progress, it just felt like she was more and more of a burden, which obviously brought so much guilt and shame and anger, you know, starting to reflect on me in my own head. Um, because I felt like a bad mom, because I felt like, she was a burden and it, I didn't feel beautiful love looking at her. And they always say when you breastfeed, like the flow of oxytocin makes you happy and lovey and, you know, puts you in like a nirvana. Everybody yeah. says that, but I would sit with her and just like, oh, when is this going to be over? I could imagine you being the rule follower thinking, what the culture has always telling us, right? Yes. Oh, of course, you should love your child and every moment with your newborn is the most beautiful thing in the world. It must have brought up a lot of guilt in you. Yes. Um, like I said, with the guilt and the shame and the, the burden, the burden-like feeling was then projected onto my husband. 
Mm. Um, so it was just, he could never do anything right. And it was all his fault, you know, like she was crying and crying and crying and he didn't come check on me. And then I would stew in that anger about, you know, what a butthead he is or, you know, when he would come and try to help or take the baby, I would be like, get out. You know, this is my, I had to breastfeed her. You can't do it. You know, like, and so he would wait until I asked him because he had gotten yelled at so many times, Yeah. which I didn't see that that was happening at the time. This is all 2020 vision. You know, this is all perspective now. But at the time he would, I felt like he would open the door and let the light in and she would wake up because he opened the door to check on me. Mm. And so I would get mad at him. And so he wouldn't open the door. And I was expecting him to read my mind. It's so interesting how, how the disconnection that you probably experienced with your baby could really affect even your relationship with your husband. Yes. And that pushed him further and further away too. Yeah. Um, and because I felt disconnected from her, um, I know now that I felt disconnected from myself. And then I created distance between him and I. So I made myself a lonely, guilt-shamed prisoner on an island hmm. because I wouldn't ask for help. I didn't, I was so shameful that I wasn't connecting with her and I didn't see her as like the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. That I was afraid to tell my mom. I was afraid to tell people around me. I felt so, uh, I was longing for a community and a relationship with like other women that were going through the same thing. And I decided to dive into lactation. Like I was reading everything I could about lactation because that was another thing that if baby was cry if my baby was crying, I would feel like she's not eating enough. Like my body is not providing her enough. And I had no trust in myself that I needed affirmation from other people to tell me that I was enough, you know? which is just so a totally other <laughs> subject. But culture tells you if your baby is crying, it's probably you. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. probably doing something wrong. You're probably not making enough milk. So I was in that constant worry. And I came to realize that if we trust our bodies and, you know, obviously look for the lines where it becomes dangerous, where your baby is becoming malnourished, but babies are supposed to cry. Yeah. They have no other way to communicate. Exactly. And we see it as something negative. Yeah. And then we blame ourselves. And then we stew in the guilt. And then we become, you know, just so adverse to the cry. No, baby just has no other way to say what they need to say. I know. They it just is. don't have words. Yeah, their way of communicating indeed. Mm -hmm. it, it really goes like a vicious cycle about like, oh, what I'm doing wrong. I feel guilty. There's definitely something wrong with me. Yeah, and then you just can't do enough. You can't consume enough after that. You know, somebody says you should take this and this will make it better. And by glomming onto all the vices, it only just further instills the lack in your competence or the lack in your ability or the just our culture just feeds that lack within the mother so that you need this device that shakes and bounces and does whatever. And your baby definitely won't cry if you buy this, or if you take this pill, then your milk won't dry up and then you'll ba your baby will have enough to eat. 
or, you know, if you dye your hair this color, then you'll definitely feel more confident and do this. Like it just got so crazy where, where I, one day I was on Instagram and I had been on Instagram all day and I'm nursing my baby because I was stuck to the couch, you know, nursing her nonstop. And so I didn't feel comfortable going outside. So we were locked in this prison of a house and it had my phone and it was just the perpetuating cycle of seeing moms have their crap together. Yeah. Like moms with pretty hair and dressed up and like they had their bodies back and they're holding their baby and they're like, my baby sleeps through the night. And I just had my baby two weeks ago and look, I'm working out. And like, <laughs> it was just all these moms that had their life together. And I was like, how is it so hard for me? And then I decided like, maybe it is time for me to get off of social media. So I closed social media and I went to Google and I typed in, uh, how do you know if you've lost yourself or how do you find yourself or something to that effect? Like, how do you know that you've lost yourself? (laughs) Cause I literally felt, um, what do they call it? Asexual. Like I just felt like a vessel or like a used balloon really is the best way to describe it. A used balloon. Like it doesn't, it had a life and now it doesn't have a life and it doesn't think about anything. And you know, it's all stretched out and nobody wants it anymore. Like that's what I felt like. And I had been forgotten and it was just, I was just consuming things and I wasn't using my mind. I didn't feel empowered. I just felt like empty and you know, I'm stuck to this baby all the time or this baby stuck to me. So when I Googled that, Dr. Shafali's work actually came up and not to give her all the plugs in the world, but (laughs) however, comma, I was like, you know, maybe there is, maybe there's something, you know, to this because it can't be just the baby, right? It can't be just her. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to see what happens and, and just listen to what she has to say. And she said something that hit me so hard where she was like, there's nothing on the outside. There's nothing on the outside. Everything on the outside is a projection of your fear yeah. that you have on the inside. Everything is a manifestation of your fear. And until you decide to step into you know, your power and your authenticity and trusting yourself and knowing that you know everything you need to know right now, that you will never, ever be able to, you know, live your life free ever again. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to become free. That's what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to free myself. Yeah, because freedom was your keyword, right? Yes, that was like the trigger word because I felt tied to this thing. Yeah. And I know that a lot of this has felt like it's very negative, but to say all of those things that feel very negative and heavy, especially if your client that's pregnant that says she doesn't like children, hears this. I feel like this story without saying the caveat to it sounds like you're never going to want to have children. (laughs) People will just cancel their plan. We're never getting pregnant. We're never having kids. But I have to say that it has been the best thing that has ever, ever, ever happened to me and not her. I mean, she is wonderful. She is, you know, a unique 
being. And she has been so instrumental in waking me up, but honestly has nothing to do with her. Yeah. Like I needed to face a lot of struggle and um, bring up a lot of trauma that's happened in the past and realize that it's no one's fault. Like Mm -hmm. it's not my fault. It's not my parents' fault. It's certainly not my husband's fault or my baby's fault. You know, everybody is doing the best that they can with what they know and, you know, their level of consciousness. But this, this crazy struggle, I needed to go through all of those things where I was angry and I was sad and the intense mourning of my freedom and not have the dishes cleaned all the time and to give up some of that control and to give up all the things that I thought were the most important things like vanity to really see myself for who I was on like a spiritual level, whether or not you believe in God is irrelevant. I just was able to see myself and then realize that I am a reflection of nature and that there is nothing out there that can take ever take my freedom away. And once I released myself of this cultural construct of who I thought I should be or who other people thought I should be or who my baby needed me to be, then it, ha- it was irrelevant. That is the true freedom. And to see now that I have began to pivot, you know, take my rose colored glasses off and see this human that was birthed through me teach me that nothing is important but right now like literally we're on the beach a beautiful shell like perfectly blue and the ocean had smoothed it over and the inside was like this teal color it was the most unique thing I've ever seen so beautiful I picked it up and I was like oh wow you know thinking to myself I'm gonna bring this home I'm gonna show like my girlfriends when they come over for wine like look at the shell that I found on the beach and like it was this whole thing that I had in my head like oh man nobody has a shell like this it's so cool so my daughter is like you know let me hold the shell so I hand the shell down to her she goes "Ooh, cool and chucks it into the ocean (laughs) and I was like oh my god like you're brilliant you know she you know was and just as enamored by it as I was like wow how cool is this and then she was like okay yeah she had nothing to do with her yeah she's just living in the very present moment then the present just passed it's done let me just throw away the shell right and she has no attachments to anything yeah it's just so unattached and so fluid that if if i can just constantly remind myself by looking at her which, you know, just she is forever in the present moment. How insignificant all of these cultural constructs are. That we can release ourselves from these silly worries that culture is telling us to worry about. Or that, you know, the capitalist world is telling us is that you will never be enough. Well, you need a partner to fulfill you. First, you need to have great loving parents. And then when you are done with them, you need to get a college degree. And then you need to go play the capitalist game for a while, get some money. And then you're going to meet the love of your life that's going to complete you. And then you need a ring. 
so that they can prove it to you. But it needs to be a nice expensive ring because you're worth it. And then once you get the ring, you need to get married and you need to have this huge party where everyone's there to watch you, you know, get married to someone else. So you can just prove to everybody how worthy you are. And then once you're married, you need to have a baby. And then once you have a baby, you need to have all the baby things, all the baby things. And then once that baby has left your body, you need to be a pro at being a mother. And then you need to get back to work because mom power. But then once you get back to work, you need to have another baby. Because what if that baby wants another baby to play with? And it just never ends. Like I know right? there's always something else that you need to be doing and you will never win the game and you'll never do it perfectly. Therefore, you will never, ever, ever be enough. Yeah. And, and when we actually listing down all of those craziness on a piece right. of paper, then we realize that this cultural thing is actually really the root of all of you know, human race suffering. Because indeed, what you mentioned before, the list is just endless. It's one mm -hmm. thing over the other and the other and the other. After one baby, people will ask, when will you have the second kid? When will you have right. It's just ongoing, right? It's insane. But the thing yes. is, so I, I found very interesting when you mentioned that in the beginning, you felt disconnected with your baby. You felt even some sort of resentment towards her because you mentioned before that you didn't have the freedom that you had once before. And then right. after you're going through your, um, you know, you're listening to this nuggets of wisdom from here and there, then you realize that, oh, this is actually all about me. It's not about her. I need to actually raise myself first. But how do you actually deal with a situation when in your present moment, in the reality, indeed, things are tough. Indeed, she was screaming. Indeed, right. your body was just very, very painful right now. Like, how do, you, how do you connect this beautiful wisdom that you just heard, but then the present moment is very painful? How do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, sometimes, I mean, even two-year-olds, the tantrums where you just get sucked into it again, where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. This sucks so bad. This hurts so bad. And then we think that because we're feeling that, that it's bad. Yeah. And then we begin that cycle and we tell ourselves the story of like, oh, my baby's crying. Oh, I'm such a bad mom. Then we start adding all of these things onto it. When you get sucked in, you're thinking, like culture comes back in so fast where you're like, ah, why are you screaming? Like, what is wrong with you? I just needed a second. And you get snap into it. And then, you know, some people end up spanking or yelling and screaming. You know, they, they lose themselves in those moments. And that's perfectly fine to lose yourself in the moment. But the more that you start to realize that everything on the outside is a projection on the inside of what's going on on the inside, it's easier to catch those moments before you get stuck into them again or sucked into them again. Like the time between those moments gets a little bit bigger and we have that epiphanous moment where you're like, this has nothing to do with her. she's screaming having a tantrum she's experiencing big feelings but that has nothing to do with me 
you know yeah. that's she doesn't she doesn't she's having big feelings me. yeah right she's not doing it to piss me off and yeah. ruin my day but because we tell ourselves stories we make it about us the projection and the yes. stories that's actually what causing us extra pain right because like yes. i mean in the present moment there are certain things that doesn't really go according to the way we want it to be but it just you know right. a good reminder for us that yeah you're not in charge to control everything the the universe right. doesn't revolves around you and this kid is always always a great teacher to remind us that hello mom i'm my own person i have right. my own process i don't want to follow all of your you know like the military way of like one to 10 this is what you need to do right here right now like the kid was like no nope, right. i don't want to do that exactly and we have learned as adults to fit in to the way culture tells us to behave Yeah is it interesting uh, we as human being we always think that you do this on purpose to me like you right. really try to make me feel miserable even to our own babies to this like yes. little human being we have this incredible stories that we tell ourselves you really try to make me miserable today like right they, they don't have that thoughts it's just the stories that we keep on telling ourselves right right they're not malicious little beings <laughs> they don't go like oh, i can't wait to make my mom so mad and frustrated today Ooh, so you evil <laughs> right right and that you know the other day we're going for a walk and um she just started where she will turn around and try to run she loves to be chased and so i pretend i'm a dinosaur sometimes it's a game that we play and she runs away and i pretend to be a dinosaur to get her So she thinks every time she turns around and begins to run that I'm the dinosaur and she needs to run from me. So we're walking by the road and we go on this little ramp where it leads up to a park. And she turned around and I said, you know, no in like my stern voice. And she, you know, kind of looked at me like, "Do you really mean no?" And then she's like <laughs> starting to run. And I was like, "No, no, no." And she was running towards the road and I felt like this visceral anger. because i was so scared you know and and yeah. i grabbed her arm you know really hard and ripped her back and you know thankfully there were no cars at at the time and she was still laughing like i ripped her arm and she's like ha, ha, ha. and i was like we do not run into the road it is so dangerous and she was like okay are you okay <laughs> like just her cute face she's like are you okay and she's like really compassionate and she can feel like emotions and uh she like put her hand on my chest and she said okay mama okay and i was like okay like she kind of snapped me back i was like all right because i felt i really felt in my body that if i didn't see the story that i was telling myself like how dare she run away from me like i'm gonna beat her butt you know like because i was so scared she would get hurt or hit by a car and the anger i felt in my body when i ripped her up i wanted to like smack her to be like how dare you scare me but it was about me you know yeah. she like she was just running away we do it all the time it had nothing to do with her and i felt that fear like yeah. it was so scary to see her run towards the road i really was so angry at her i wanted to scream and yell and almost scare her like it felt like 
that's what my, that's what I wanted to do was to scare her and make her feel the fear that I was just feeling so that she would never do it again. That's actually another very, very interesting point when you mentioned that you genuinely felt the fear, but it came out of, you know, like, so, so first you feel the fear, but then it turns into anger. Like within yes. many seconds, it's just like you're being this, you know, crazy lunatic, you know, monster and, mm-hmm. and scream. And I think that's also something that I would live um, parents also understand. Like the, the very fact that when you yell, indeed notice that fear underneath the anger. Notice, right. notice the, 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 the true feeling that you're feeling is actually you have this massive fear and probably there also can be a gateway to understand your child better when your child throwing a tantrum there's right. something underneath it's right not, it's not your child try to make you miserable or being very defiant but they're expressing feelings underneath that. right and it really when she kind of snapped me back into it because I was ready to keep going, you know, until she was like, you okay? And then I was like, dang, am I okay? <laughs> like, what am I angry about? Like, she thought I was chasing her. We do this all the time. Yeah. We've never talked about road safety. So how would she know not to run into the road yeah. or that it was dangerous? We've never talked about it. And I've never, you know, coached her on, look, the, you know, the cars, it's very dangerous that you could get hit by a car. And they're not looking. You need to stop at the road. So when she said, mommy, you okay? You okay? And I was like, oh, no, mommy was very angry. And she, oh, okay, mommy. And she gave me a hug. And then she's like, let's go play. Like she was ready to move on to the next moment. And I was like, you know, that just taught me that we need to talk about road safety. It has nothing to do with her. We don't need to drudge it up again. I don't need to continually punish her for that one experience because I felt fear. And then again, I had to look at myself like, dang, I got angry because she made me fearful. Yeah. Yeah. So now that is something that I'm very aware of that I got angry at her for making me feel fear. So clearly I have an intense attachment to her and an intense attachment to if she were to get hit by a car, not what would happen to her, but what would also happen to me. Yeah. But now the next time it happens, I will have more space and time between the fear and the anger. Yeah. Now I have that in the forefront of my mind where I can create the time between yelling and screaming at her Yeah. and then speaking to her in a normal tone so that she can understand and communicate. So in the, that, that gap between what's what's actually happening in the reality that the stimulus of our reaction and we notice that before before we react we have that tiny tiny space tiny gap within like millisecond but that can be like very powerful when we notice there's this tiny space between stimulus and our reaction our response and that's just a game changer right that's just a game right. changer to understand that okay, let me just take a tiny, tiny pause to see what, what is actually the, the, the thing that is happening right now without projection, without story, and know that I have the power to choose 
what kind of response do I need to, do I want to give in this situation? So right. we, don't, we don't react anymore. We don't yell. We don't scream. But how do I want to respond to this present moment? It's incredible how many lessons that you can get from, well, it's not a simple experience. I mean, you know, like the very, very difficult birthing process that you're going through and then the disconnection and resentment that you felt uh, to your child before. If you can summarize one thing that was really a turning point, a game changer between, you know, the moment when Brittany felt very disconnected and had this resentment towards the child and then Brittany who is now feel and know that you can actually build connection with the child Mm -hmm. what is actually the game changer um I think that pivotal moment is realizing I'm still a child I'm definitely still a child when it comes to my reactivity and that if I can work on reparenting myself and holding space for myself that I can better have the tools, the emotional tools and equipment to help raise my physical child. So all of the angry and reactivity that comes out of me is the fear from my childhood or the little Brittany that wasn't developed. So if I can hold space for her and time for her to develop and relive some of those moments and talk through them like we would with a little child, let them relive it and talk through it that eventually we can come out onto the other side more developed. And it will never happen instantaneously. And it'll be something I'll be doing for the rest of my life. However, you will move on the continuum of consciousness slowly and slowly forward. So I think that that is the most important, if if you take anything out of this, that reparenting yourself can liberate you. Yeah. Beautiful. And well, last question from me. What, what do you wish you would know before having a child? Like, what do you wish someone would have taught you before? Oh, man. Well, that's a loaded question. So there are so many things. Um, really, that I don't, that I didn't have to participate in culture's mainstream. I wish I had discovered myself, discovered who I'm seeing glimpses of now back before I was responsible for raising another life or, you know, being, (laughs) being a facilitator in, in another's life or being in a partnership with another person. I wish I had discovered who I am, what my authentic being wanted before I joined into all of these relationships which I have totally co-created and became a part of out of my own free will. Yet there is so much value in discovering you that putting yourself first is in no way selfish and is in no way doing anything wrong and discovering you and what makes you feel fulfilled is the most important thing you can do in your entire life. 
Wow, beautiful. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like screaming, yes, 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 to every single thing that you said. <laughs> indeed, indeed, right? Like, I personally, that's why the reason, like, my very selfish reason to start out this podcast to actually also have this conversation with mothers. And I know that I can start preparing to be a parent, reparenting myself first before having a child is not only a privilege for me to do that but it's i feel that is actually the thing that makes us be more able to connect to other human beings people really thought that connection is just natural between a mother and a child just because the child was in our body for nine months so we thought that ah it should be natural you are part of my body then I will just love you and you will just love me. Yes. To just close this conversation, if there's one thing that I also would love to share with anyone who is listening right now, I think if there's a myth that we need to really debunk about connection, is the very fact that connection between two people is not a magical gift from up above. It, I'm not talking about the lovey-dovey chemistry in Hollywood movies, I'm talking about the real, the true connection, right? This true connection is not at all given. It is something that we need to strive for consciously. And it starts from the true connection within ourselves. So thank you so much, yes. Brittany. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. And thank Yay. you for thank you for all of you who are tuning in today, my dear friend. If you have any question or if you want to request a particular topic for the next episode, you can send me an email or message me on Instagram at Inez Natalia. And we'll connect again soon in the next episode. I mean, that's all we need is actual conversation. We don't need curated content necessarily for people to open their minds. So. Mm-hmm.